so I really thought there was something wrong with me and as a result I still had confidence but ironically I lacked self-worth and in 2018 that was the moment where I thought I know what idea I'm spreading here and it's the fact that actually we need to shift the extroversion bias to unlock the potential of introverts which was the name of my TEDx. Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to? It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the power of storytelling podcast. Hello there. Welcome to the latest episode of The Power of Storytelling. It's brilliant to have you with us. Today, we're going to be talking about a subject which I find really fascinating. So I'm hoping that you will also find this really fascinating because when we go through life, we see it through different lenses. So I would say, I don't know if this is true, bearing in mind the conversation we're about to have, but I would have said that I'm an extrovert. I've always been the person that's been asked to stand up and speak. I've always been the person, when I wrote my first story when I was six years old, it was, Nicola, can you just go and read that story in front of the whole school and didn't think anything of it. And I guess that confidence that I had as I was doing that, that's kind of just always been with me. I guess I've got a a level of self-belief, but not everyone has that. And it's really important to recognize that we all work in different ways, that we see the world in different ways. And what will work for one person won't necessarily work for another. And when we're looking, I don't know whether you've ever tried doing those tests and things when you've been in the corporate world, like Myers-Briggs and things like that, and they break down your personality types and how you look at things. It's really important that you understand how everyone reacts to different things so that you can accommodate other things. So my guest today is the fabulous Joanna Rawbone. Joanna is an introvert advocate. She describes herself as a cage rattler, which I love, but she also runs a company called Flourishing Introverts. It's as much about being able to be seen, but in your own way as anything else. Joanna, thank you for joining us on The Power of Storytelling. It's great to have you with us. Tell me a little bit about your journey to get to the point where you feel comfortable enough to become a cage rattler? It's a great question to start with. And thanks for having me on your podcast. It's interesting because as a child, I too was pretty confident. I did all the dance lessons possible. So I was ballet, tap and modern. And I remember appearing at Garden Fates with the ballet school, doing little performances and things. And I had no trouble with any of that. And yet I would find at the end of the day, I would take myself to bed early to read. And I could hear all the other kids outside playing. And it didn't worry me at all that I was 
in tucked up in my bed, escaping into my own world, reading avidly as I always did. And it wasn't until probably teens and maybe into my early 20s that I started to receive quite a lot of criticism for how I was being. So I would get called stuck up, boring, loner, unsociable, all sorts of things. And I began to wonder whether there was something wrong with me because it wasn't that I lacked confidence because actually I was confident, but I knew I needed my own time and I knew that I couldn't just be in any circle, busy environment, any circle of friends, any noisy kind of party without feeling my my emotional and mental energy drain away from me. Quite often it felt like, and I've got the language for it now, thanks to Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling, but it often felt like I was surrounded by dementors who were just sucking the very life energy, the life force out of me. And so I really thought there was something wrong with me. And as a result, I still had confidence, but ironically, I lacked self-worth and I started to really kind of start to think there was something wrong with me. And then in my 30s, I was on a women's leadership program run by Cranfield School of Management. And we did, as you've already mentioned, the Myers-Briggs type indicator. And I read this little passage and it's only a small, maybe two or three small paragraphs. And my letters came out as ISFP. And I read this little description and it was like someone for the first time had seen who I really was, had kind of acknowledged that people like me existed. And so that gave me a hope and reassurance that I wasn't the only person, otherwise there wouldn't have been this perfect description of me. But what it did is it kind of gave me a blueprint for how to be more like the world seemed to want me to be. So I now knew that as an introvert, this is typical, this is my behavior, this is how I need to recharge. But everything in the workplace, everything even with my circle of friends, wanted me to be more outgoing, more kind of funny, more lively, and didn't understand or appreciate when I just got drained and needed to disappear. And so the long kind of result of that, after pretending to be something I wasn't for almost two decades, I hit burnout. And that was the beginning of me realizing that the only way to live life was as who I really was, not as who society and the world expected me to be. That is so important. To live your life authentically as yourself is really, like, it's everything, really, because you can't go through life wearing masks or trying to be who everyone else wants you to be or because you think that that will get you to where you want to eventually get because at some point as you have found like the the plaster comes off it's not it's not going to stay in place it just isn't and for you when you started embracing being an introvert, because you'd almost like with that Myers Briggs assessment, you it almost given you permission to just be you at that point because you'd read it and it was just like, hang on a second, that is me. Why am I fighting against that? Did that like literally just make you think, okay, now, 
now I can start to become myself. It should have done. And in hindsight, I kind of wished I'd grabbed that opportunity. But because of the extroversion bias that is actually present in education from early years right through on into higher education, the bias that exists in families, the bias that exists in the workplace. I kind of was very clear about the fact that if I was me, I would probably be overlooked. And many of my clients that I work with talk about feeling overlooked and undervalued because they're not in the line of sight of everyone. They're kind of heads down doing great work. They they kind of are, you know, below the parapet. And so they don't get noticed. And, you know, so much of what you do is about being visible. And what it's taken me so long to work out is how to be visible on my own terms, is how to be visible in a way that, as you mentioned, feels authentic to me, so that I'm not trying to be more like those other big showman type people, that I'm actually quietly visible and yet there is a, a real intention behind that visibility now so that when I am on stage, when I am at conferences, when I am doing my TV show, etc., that I'm not hyper, I'm pretty calm and modelling what it looks like to be a quiet, confident introvert who's not pretending. I think it's so important. You've hit the nail on the head with so much there. But also when you're talking about standing on stages, hosting your own TV show, still being seen in the way that you can be, you can still be successful as an introvert. And I think that's really, really important for anyone that's listening to this that does feel like sometimes they are more introverted. They're not one of those big personalities that's out there and standing and going, woohoo, here I am kind of thing. I think it's really important that they know too, yes, you can be just as successful being you, being an introvert and everything else. And I know you and I were having a conversation the other day about really well-known introverts that are out there. And it's people that you wouldn't necessarily think about. So who are we talking about here, Joanna? We're talking about actually so many world leaders, so many business leaders that you wouldn't necessarily think. So the one that surprises many people is Barack Obama. And if you then kind of reflect on just the presence he had on stage, you know, it was quite different from one of, uh, many of the other presidents. But if we think about business leaders like um, Steve Jobs, like Bill Gates, like Warren Buffett, Richard Branson and, you know, Simon Sinek, amazing thought leader who is very open about the fact he identifies as an introvert. And he's got a lovely little YouTube clip of when he goes to networking events, he goes along with an extrovert so that he can get them to do all the kind of introdu introductions and the door opening for him into conversations. And then he can chip in when he can. So, you know, we are surrounded by and very powerful, very successful introverts and in the, in the, in the arts, in the creative world as well. J.K. Rowling, amazing uh, and introverted. Many actors, absolutely introverts. And it's almost like being on stage enables them to display that other part of their personality that is there, but that they wouldn't necessarily 
feel comfortable or have the energy to do in their own name, as it were. There's quite a few there that are quite surprising in terms of introverts and everything else. For you, though, at what point did you decide, okay, I'm I'm an introvert. I've I found out and, and now, you know, it's got me to this point where I've hidden for the last 20 years and I've reached a point of burnout, which is never a good place to reach. And I, I'm really sorry that it got to that stage for you. But when you came through that, at what point did you just say, right, I'm going to be a beacon for other introverts because I know how hard this is to try and hide, to try and be the best possible version of yourself, but still those extroverts are overpowering everything and taking the conversation where they want it to go. And there's no there's no measure almost that actually we can add in really valuable contributions. At what point did you just be like, I'm doing this for them? As much as myself, I'm doing it for them. I think possibly the the point at which I made that decision started around 2017, 2018, and I was working a lot in the Middle East then, and I realized that I was seeing the same thing there as I was seeing wherever else I was working in the world, that the quiet ones who kept their head down were missing opportunities, weren't being invited to be part of exciting projects, for instance. And and I had that huge sense of injustice in that moment. And then in 2018, I found out that there was going to be a, a TEDx run locally to me, kind of 15 miles down the road. And for some reason, I'd always had TEDx on my radar as something I knew I would do at some point. But, you know, the whole idea is what's worth spreading. I didn't know what ideas I had worth spreading at that stage. And in 2018, that was the moment where I thought, I know what idea I'm spreading here. And it's the fact that actually we need to shift the extroversion bias to unlock the potential of introverts, which was the name of my TEDx. That's when I decided actually that I was going to be the person who was advocating and openly so, so rather than doing it in a kind of, you know, under under the radar way. And it's why one of my business principles is to be quietly gutsy because I won't kind of stand back and, and see that injustice carrying on. If we just take business, you know, in everyday practice and processes, the extroversion bias is there, so embedded that people don't notice it. It's almost an unconscious bias. And that's wrong because up to 50% of any population identifies an introvert. So that's potentially 50% of your workforce, 50% of the talent that you're trying to manage who are either not getting the opportunities they should or are having to pretend like I did in order to compete and that's not how it should be. Yeah, completely. It should feel like we're on a, a level playing field, wherever we are. And I think having gone through that very first Myers-Briggs example, like where we all sat down as a team, and I always remember it, and three of the team were identified as introverts and the rest of us were extroverts. I think what it did was it just gave us an appreciation that different people work in different ways and they have different strengths and different 
ways of being able to take on board information and then being able to go out there. Now, obviously, we're talking about visibility, the power of storytelling, how you can take that storytelling and strategically then get seen in the media. And for introverts, that's hard. That's really hard. I mean, it's hard for some extroverts as well. Let's not forget it comes down to confidence. It comes down to having a clarity around your messaging and everything else. And we want to sometimes for introverts, we want to hold themselves back because actually it just feels so painful to actually put themselves out there. What I always say is that it's never about you and it's always about the people that you're trying to reach. So you almost have to park however you're feeling at the door and then be able to approach media opportunities and putting yourself forward for these opportunities in a different way. I had a conversation with a client the other day and they were very much Nicola I don't even think I want to tell my story. I don't think I've got a story. I don't, but I recognized in them the amount of stress that it would cause them. So we approached it as them, you know, putting themselves forward for expert comments and tips so that they can still be seen in the media, but in their way. Is that a better way around it? It probably is. And I want to kind of backtrack a bit to the bit where you talked about you know, some introverts or introverts finding it painful. And the reality is that we, I think we need to separate out what makes an introvert identify as such. And it isn't necessarily about the behavior. It's about the energy recharging needs. So I have a mantra which I use, which is that purpose plus passion trumps fear. I work a lot with corporate still, if we're doing something around confidence, I'll use Dr. Rob Jung's definition of confidence, which is about being able to take effective action in spite of how challenging it feels. So the whole thing is that confident people don't not have fear, but they're able to take action in spite of it. And the same is true of introverts. If we have, as you mentioned, a kind of a clear message and something that we know the world needs to hear, even if we don't necessarily feel comfortable sharing it, but we know the world needs to hear it, then having that will give us the confidence to become more visible about it. But what we need to do is make sure we're pre-charged fully so that if I'm working up to a podcast recording like here, or if I'm working up to a TV show, or a, I big, did a big lunchtime session with one of the big accounting firms, global accounting firms, a couple of weeks ago, I know my pre-charging needs to get me to the point where all of my battery levels are absolutely on top form so that I can be there, I can deliver, I can portray myself with confidence and answer some of the challenging questions. But as soon as that is done, I'm away to recharge. So I can't then go social or I wouldn't choose to then go socializing with people and, you know, spend the evening out partying or whatever, because what I need, what I know I need to do is get that battery recharged ready for the next thing. So I don't think it's, if you're an introvert, it's not necessarily that that stuff is painful for us. 
the, what we need to do is have enough charge so that we can manage those situations. And I think that's, you know, there are so many myths and misunderstandings about what introversion is and what it isn't. And I think that's one of the things because I can behave however the situation demands pretty much provided I've got the charge in my battery. Introversion is not the same as social anxiety. There are introverts who have social anxiety. And I've got to say there are also extroverts who have social anxiety. And can you imagine how challenging that is to need those social interactions in order to recharge the batteries and yet fearing them at the same time? What most introverts kind of talk about it you know, I hate people. Well, misanthropes hate people. Introverts don't hate people. But what I need to do is have enough charge so that I can interact. And if I find myself in a group of dementors, I need to have the strategies in place to extricate myself so that they don't suck every bit of life force out of me. So it, it's about really understanding what's ahead in my calendar, what kind of charge in my batteries am I going to need, and that I I give myself that time to do that so that I can give my all for whatever the situation demands. Yeah, and it's so important, isn't it? It's having that plan in place. But even that, I mean, that feels like it's quite hard because you've got to think over and above all the time just to be yourself. That makes me feel quite sad that there are people that are having to do this just to be themselves. I think we need to be a lot more accepting in society. Definitely when it comes to different ways of working, different people and how they work best as well. Do you think that the pandemic and lockdown, the subsequent lockdowns that we had, do you think that that actually contributed more to people feeling that they wanted to be more introverted? I know for me, I was always kind of like, all right, I'll go to this and I'll go to that and everything else. But when lockdown happened, I was kind of like, actually, I don't know. I'll be very selective about the places that I go and and all of the rest of it. I mean, partly because we had to be, but there was also an element that actually now I do need to recharge my battery. So I'm just wondering whether you think that it has changed for a lot of people as well because of the pandemic. It, it's a great question. And my view is that the pandemic enabled many introverts to kind of breathe out and to actually settle into their introversion and be more who they really are. Provided, of course, they had an introvert-friendly household and a setup that worked for them at home. Because if they were the only introvert in a big family of extroverts with the kids at home trying to homeschool and the husband kind of driving them up the wall, then that was going to be even worse. But for many introverts, it was a brilliant time because we were able to kind of manage our bat our energy and our batteries better because the things that normally drain them weren't there so much. So the commute, for instance, which I used to quite enjoy the commute, provided I had something to read or something to listen to, or if I was driving, maybe singing along with the radio even. I certainly wouldn't do that in public. You know, the commute would drain people. The busy office with you know, so much noise going on. When an introvert, and, and one of the things that defines us is that we are typically over, already overstimulated mentally, naturally. So that additional stimulation 
can just tip us over the edge into overwhelm. So once we cut that out, actually what we realized is that, hey, I quite like this. I I think I'd quite like to work from home more often. So then when the lockdowns were over and people started talking about, you know, agile working or started talking about hybrid working, it probably would have been more of the introverts who said, yeah, sign me up for that. And many of them actually looked for jobs that were then 100% virtual because they realized just how powerful they could be, how productive they could be in that quiet space. But of course, now we're experiencing the the, um, pressure to get back into the workplace. And there are two phrases I wish I could eradicate from our vocabulary right now. And one of them is, I can't wait to get back to normal. There is no going back to normal. What we are responsible for as leaders is co-creating the new normal that allows for people to work where they are most productive. And quite often it's the managers who don't trust their people who who worry that if they're not in front of me, they may not be doing the work I need them to do. And that just encourages presenteeism as opposed to real productivity. And then what we have is another aspect of this complex jigsaw that is the extroversion bias. We then have proximity bias, which is the people that I give opportunities to are those who are in front of me, are those who are visible, are those who are heard, those are people on my mind. So the ones who are working from home more often are going to find that they're excluded more, which again is completely, it's against pretty much every diversity, equity and inclusion type policy there is. Because what we need to do, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, is about really appreciating the difference. But I'd say it goes even further than that. It's about valuing the difference. And as teams, exploring how the introverts who tend to be the quieter ones who listen really well in meetings and assimilate ideas and notice what's not being said, you know, that we call on their skills when we want to somehow get to a point at the end of the meeting where everyone's on the same page. So it's not about how introverts fit in with that extrovert preference that business seems to have, but as teams, how we fit together, how we value, how we really kind of say what these people are bringing complements what we're doing here. So let's really more than just understand it, but really value it and say, without your skills, we couldn't do what we're doing as well. I couldn't agree more. I think that we need to feel more enmeshed together. I I know what I want to say, but it's like that we want to be working together and like having that togetherness, but understanding that different people approach situations and problems in a completely different way. That doesn't mean to say that either way is correct or either way is wrong. It is together, you will find the perfect solution. Joanna, I found this absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us on the Power of Storytelling podcast. If anyone is listening to this and they're thinking, I want to be able to flourish, I want to be able to be seen in a little bit more than I currently am, 
not be overlooked. I want to do all that as an introvert on my own terms. Where can they find you? On pretty much all of the socials, I'm at Flourishing Introverts and the website, as you would imagine, is flourishingintroverts.com. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, Joanna Rawbone. So all of those places you'll find me. And because January the 2nd is World Introvert Day, we'll definitely be doing something special for that. Amazing. So look out for the 2nd of January because it's really important. And it's important that we just raise that bit of awareness for ourselves that different people, different things, let's be there for all of it. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Power of Storytelling podcast. Until next time, I'll see you then.